פרשי שלח, in memory of Jared Orchen, who studied this with Torah portion, page 167, this is the parasha. I'm sure that the lawyer has a few questions for us before we even start. I'll, I'll wait till You see, Deuteronomy is a repetition of the stories. It's a review how Moses tells the story in his own world. That in Deuteronomy you, read, you learn many details that you didn't know or not necessarily written in the four books. In Deuteronomy, Moses writes, says, All of you came to me and told me, let's send spies. In Deuteronomy, he says, It wasn't God who told me to do it. You kind of pushed the idea. And he also, Moses agreed. Moses said, they want, they want, they, they want to hear about the land. Let, go, let the spies go. Check the land. Bring good, good reports. The Jews will be even more excited about the land. It will be great. He didn't know how this is going to turn, around, turn out. Kind of didn't know. No, he didn't know. He knew something is fishing. He knew that from this. But that's what he agreed. He saw that people wanted, basically. You cannot fight with people. That's what they want. Fine. That's what they want. Why, why does God let, you know, uh, God knows this is going to be a disaster. Why God <laughs> lets it happen? Free will. You have to make your own errors. The Talmud says, In a way a person wants to walk, God will open. You want to be bad, God will stop you a few times. But if you really insist, go. Enjoy it. There is free, free will. Free choice. Couldn't God have suggested something, though? Uh, I think God suggested at least 50 times that the land is a land of fleeing of, of, with Wilkin on it, right? Mm -hmm. And God said, I'll bring you to the land, and I will take you to the land. And I will. From the beginning, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Jews in Egypt knew that then one day they're going to the land of Israel, the land of Canaan. Then I think, well, we know, but, but when, when everybody comes and says, let's send spies to see the land, After God is doing all the miracles, he's taking him out from Egypt with the plague, he's splitting the sea, he's giving the Torah, he gives the manna. You know, if you still doubt me, fine. Hmm. What is there to say? There's nothing to say. Sending spies isn't necessarily doubt. I mean. Sending spies means I love God to walk out the deal, to, to help, I love God to do these things. It's a partnership. God says do it, and we got to figure out how to do and it. And then you just do it. The, the spies are to bring back information that you're going to react to. You're going to use it for a good or bad purpose. You see, so far, when God said something, God did it. It's more than that. If God needs something, God will tell you to do it. In the end of Parshas Baalo speaking about that, this is, this is, Rashi says, why, she, why is this continuing after, Baal, after the story of Baalotcha? Because it has a connection. What's the connection? When two stories are attached, there is a reason. In the end of Parshas Baalotcha, we read this, last week's Parsha, we read the story about Miriam. Miriam complained about Moses, right? Mm -hmm. What does the complain? She heard from Zipporah, Moses' wife, that he separated from her. He doesn't live with her anymore together. I mean, they live maybe in the same tent, but they're not together. That Miriam turned around to Aaron and told him, you heard what's going on? Then God was upset with her. Why was God upset with her? Remember the story? Well, he was, uh, 
she was being critical of uh, uh, Moses' wife, Zipporah, obviously. Not that she no, 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 of, the, Moses, of his leadership. Okay. He was no, she, one second. She, she was... She was not critical. She has nothing against Zipporah. But against Zipporah, she was critical that Moses is separated from his wife, right? Mm -hmm. And why was God upset? Because uh, you're... What was the power that God was upset? We'll they, see inside. God thought that they thought that, you know, they were also entitled maybe to this. Because he's their messenger. He's the ear. Let's he's see on page 161. What God tells to them when, he, when he's upset. On page 160, actually. He gathers Aaron and Miriam, and he tells them. He called Aaron and Miriam, and both of them went out. He said, Please listen to my words. If there will be a prophet among you, I, Adonai, will make myself known to him in a vision. In a dream I will speak to him. That is not the case with my servant Moshe. In my entire house he is trusted. Mouth to mouth I speak to him, in a vision and not in riddles. He gazes at the likeness of Adonai, so why are you not afraid? So why <laughs> you are not afraid to speak about my servant, about Moses? Then what was, this, what was, the, what, what was God upset? Who are you to criticize Moses? If Moses is doing something wrong, so to speak, it's between me and him. Who are you? To interfere between me between Moses. Who are you to say that Moses is doing wrong? Moses is not is not living with his wife. Maybe it's wrong, but that's between him, me and him. Right? Here, what are coming? They can give Moses advice, right? A Rebbe, you don't give advice. We know Hasidim know that the Rebbe, no, you don't give advice to the Rebbe. Give the Rebbe advice. The Rebbe doesn't need your advice. He will tell you what to do. Oh, he's coming to Rebbe. You know, maybe you should do it this way. Really, huh? It was once Mordechai ben David. You heard about the singer? Famous Hasidic singer. He came to the Rebbe. The Rebbe was speaking a lot about bringing the Moshiach. But he says, maybe we should go, the Rebbe should go, and they will all go together to the wall, to the Kotel, and we'll pray together for the coming of Moshiach. The Rebbe told them, I don't need people to tell me what I need to do. <laughs> I want you to do what you're supposed to do and you're supposed to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. That was a very clear and simple and a nice way to tell them that. I would tell them that in a different way. But he's <laughs> <laughs> telling the Rebbe to make a prayer. You tell the Rebbe how to bring Mashiach? That's even a ridiculous way to... You're telling Moses how to conquer the land? Or Hashem, you're helping Hashem to conquer the land? that he asked you? That Moses called all the leaders and made, an, made a meeting, an emergency meeting, and says, guys, we have to go to the land. What do you suggest we should do? How we should attack the land? You didn't ask them. You don't need their advice. Isn't it almost the opposite message of God in creation, that God consults with the angels and the messages that we're always supposed to consult? We! But there is God taking us to the land of We're going after the cloud, right? We just learned in Lexus Park that they're going after the cloud. The cloud stops, we stop. The cloud goes, it goes. Did he ask them to go to Hatzairot or to Shmuel or the only other places? Did they, anybody gave him advice how to go out of Egypt to make the splitting of the sea? No, right? Who asked you? Now you hate the givers, advice givers. Who needs them? God will ask you. You need your advice. We'll call you to the office. As long as we didn't ask you, we don't need your advice. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. The problem is when you're trying to help God to run the show. God, it's not that they did what God told them. If God would tell them, Moses would call them and say, we're going to war, and it's your job to conquer the land and to figure out how to conquer the land. Fine. God didn't tell them that. Moses saying in last week's parasha, we are going to the land of Israel, everything is so beautiful. <laughs> Maybe we should send it and uh, Maybe. Oh, everyone is a chochem. What happened in the spinning of the sea? There were four groups, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone gave advice. One person said, let's go back to Egypt. The other group said, let's jump into the water, commit suicide. The third group said, let's start a war against the Egyptians. The fourth group said, let's pray. What God says? God look at them and says, just listen what I tell you. Go. <laughs> I don't need advisors here. 
There is a, it was a, religion, a Jewish uh, comedian who lived four years ago. He used to say, with advice I'm rich, with advisors I'm rich. Jews are always there to give advice. <laughs> Unsolicited advice. Everybody is offering advice. I mean, we have enough advisors. The Jewish people need soldiers, not advisors. Everyone is a chochem among the Jews. Here is a perfect example. Moses needs some people to say, let's go. Everybody is trying to give emotion. Maybe we should do it this way. Maybe this way. That's what comes out from advisors. Do I need, we need advisors. We need, we need partners. We need people to do the work. That's what we need. We need fighters, not advisors. Jewish people are full with financial advisors, disadvisors. Everyone is an advisor. We need walkers. To walk the walk, not to talk the talk. First taste. Oh, you're still not happy with the answer. <laughs> what I mean to say is, Hashem, you write, you, 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 write, you write that Hashem, that in a normal case, we have to think. We don't have to be stupid. But here is Hashem told us to go to the land of Israel. We should be, it should be like this. Moses should tell us, maybe we should send advice, maybe we should send spies. And we should be the one to tell Moses, Moses, we are faith in Hashem. We don't need it, we don't need spies, who cares? If Hashem tells us to go, we should go. That's, that's what's supposed to be done. That's what would be the right way of doing things. Here, Moses says, let's go. Says, no, maybe not. Why did he just take the, make the cloud go a little further? You know, let's say if Moses is the power to make the cloud. No, you give the power to make the cloud go, but you don't have the power to make the Jews go. When the Jews don't want to go, that's what really happened. If you're not ready, you're not ready. You're not ready. What should you do? People are not ready. You can push, push. Moses tried to expedite everything, the whole process. He tried to bring them to the land of Israel. He got they stuck. They weren't ready. They were not. That's the problem. Moshe sent. We are on page 168, number 3. 168, number 3. <coughs> I'm sorry. I said the wrong number. No, you said the right. Okay. Moshe sent them from the desert of Paran by the word of Adonai. All of them were men of distinction. Distinction. They were the heads of B'nai Israel. They were the heads of the, they were leaders. I don't know if they were the, the, the same leaders that we learned in last week's parasha that he appointed Nosiim. Looks like it were two types of leaders, like religious leaders and political leaders more. Older and younger. The elders, they were not the ones who go to Israel. The younger, the young, the, there were young leaders here who were sent to Israel. Then he gives a whole name, a list of names. You don't know who went. We will skip the names to page 169. Number 16. These are the names of the men whom Moshe sent to scout the land. And Moshe called Hoshea, Hoshea the son of Nun, Yehoshua. Hoshea bin Nun, he changed his name. His name was Hoshea, and he changed it to Yehoshua. Even. What's the significance at this point of, of the name change? Because there's always a significance to the name change. Rashi says. He changed his name to add the Yud to his name, the name of Hashem. Yud Hey is the name of Hashem. That he prayed for him, he gave him special strength that they will be able to survive the advice of the, the, the agenda of the spies. They left already with an agenda. And Moses felt already something is not right. That he prayed, he says, I cannot lose Joshua. He is the next leader. Since when was Joshua became the next leader? How we know that Joshua is the next leader at this point? Where is it, Joshua named already? Point, at this point? Yes, I remember. He was already at Sinai. He was the, at the base of Sinai waiting. He was at the base of Sinai. He was the student who was waiting for... Moses went up in Mount Sinai for 40 days. Joshua was waiting right there by the, by the foot of the mountain. And a portion of manna came down for him specially. But you know, he didn't know if there would be a portion of manna. He stood there anyway. God did Rachman and them sent him manna. I don't know what he, how he would survive. But that's not still a proof that he was appointed to be the next leader. Will we see taking him a leadership job? job? And by the way, he's already named there Yehoshua. 
with the yud. He fights a malak. Very good, beautiful. He fights a malak. How long was the malak war after the Jews left Egypt? A few weeks, right? That right in the beginning, Moses tells Joshua, appoints Joshua to be the one to fight the Amalekites. Moses kind of retired, if you want, right in the beginning. First of all, he singled out Joshua as the next leader by appointing him. From all the Jewish people, told Joshua, you go and, and lead the war against the Amalekites. And number two, by not going to war himself, he basically said, kind of, it's not for me, you know what? He gave it over. That he himself made a statement, who is the next leader? What's the difference between like appointing Joshua as the next general, so to speak? Because David had a general, Solomon had he a didn't general. Say, he didn't say he's a general. <laughs> you see, Amalek was attacking the Jews. Naturally, Moses would have to be the guy to fight it. Not the guy who prays for the people who fight. The guy who fights it. Later, even later in history, when Moses was four years older, by Sihon and Og, the two giants, who fought them? Who killed them? Moses himself! Not Joshua, not the Shamesh, not Aaron, well, he Moses. He, didn't he, he was holding his arms up, wasn't he? Well, that's we're the Amalekites. Amalekites. The Amalekites he was holding so his arms up. So he was part of the battle. Out. Moses, wasn't he? He's still the spiritual. Yeah, it's yeah, a difference yeah. between sitting like this or going to war, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With all the respect, it's a big difference. For sure it's all because of Moses. Moses was the, when he prayed, they won the war. When he didn't, when he put their head down, his hand down, they, they were losing the war. But four years later, when it was a war against Sihon and Og, right? Moses was the one himself. Where is it? In Bamidbo? I think it's somewhere there. Um, you know what happened? Where is it? There is a place here where it's written clearly that Moses beat up and, uh, page 294. Is it all the same parasha? No, it's, a mix, it's two parashas further. Uh, 294. It was a fight, look and page, a number 34. Um, Mr. Garvin, you want to read? <coughs> Adonai said to Moshe, Do not be afraid of him, for into your hand I have delivered him and all his people and territory. Do to him as you have done to Sihon, right? king of the Amorite. Okay, now look in the Rashi, number 35. They killed him. Moshe killed him. Moshe was 120 years old. At the war of the Amalekites, he was 80 years old. That by 120, he was still fighting himself. That by, by 80, by appointing Joshua, Moses made a statement. He's the next leader. Not just the next general, you understand? Rashi says it there. Rashi says, it's written, uh, and God told Moses, remember the Amalekites. He told him, put in the ears of Joshua. And, and Rashi says, because he is going to lead the Jews into the land of Israel. So to speak, by Moses giving Joshua the job of fighting the Amalekites, he kind of, to a point, retired, to a point. In any case, Eri changed his name from Oshea to Yoshua. He prayed for him that he should not fall for this, for this uh, agenda. Page 169, number 17. Moshe sent them to scout the land of Canaan, and he said to them, Go up this way to the south, and go up to the mountains see what the land is and the people living on it. Are they strong or weak? If they are few or many? And how is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? Mm -hmm. And how are the cities in which they reside? Are they open or are they fortified? How is the land, the soil, is it fat, rich or lean, poor? Does it have trees or not? You shall strengthen yourselves and you shall take some fruit of the land those days were the days of the first ripening of the grapes. And basically Moses tells them, I want you guys to go there and tell me how things are going. 
what is going on in Israel? Is it strong? Is there many other? How is the, is the fortified cities? And they are not fortified. If they are fortified cities, means that they are afraid. If they are not fortified, means that they are strong enough. They are not afraid. And how is the land? Is it a rich land? The poor, everything. It bring me, bring some food back, right? How is this information any use? Or value to Moshe. To know who's the enemy. But and I for mean, Moses, he wanted also to try to encourage the people to show them what kind of rich food is. They should want to go there. Moses, Moses was using it as a tool to inspire the Jews to get them excited about going into the land of Israel. Yeah. He didn't ask them to bring not milk and not honey, but, he, but, that's, but that's, what, that's what the goal was. Cohen, would you mind to continue? Okay. They went up and they scouted the land from the desert of Zin until Rehov at the entrance of Hamas. They went up into the southern part of the land, and he came to Zephron, and there was Achaman. Achiman, Sheishai, and Talmai. Thank you. <laughs> the offspring of the giant. The city of Hebron was built seven years before the city of Zoan in Egypt. They went to Hebron. Who went to Hebron? Who ended up to go to Hebron? Caleb. Caleb. Only Caleb, Rashi says, only Caleb went to Hebron. Why? Caleb went to pray on the graveside of our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He prayed that he shouldn't make a mistake. He shouldn't fall for the agenda of the other guys. He should have the strength to tell the Jews the truth, that it's a good land. That Joshua had the prayers of, jo of Moses. Have, uh, Caleb and went to pray at the, the graveside of, of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's an old Jewish tradition to go to the graveside of Tzadikim to pray, to ask them to pray to God, to connect to God on RBF. Because there, where there is a, a burial of a Tzadik, there is the presence of God much stronger. The Shekhinah is much, much more, much thicker, if you want. It's easier to connect to God. That's the whole idea. Okay, 173. Go ahead. They came until the valley of uh, Eshkol, mm -hmm. <clears throat> from there they cut off a branch and one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two on a pole, and they took some pomegranates and some figs. Now what they took from Israel? Grapes, figs. pomegranates, and figs. These <coughs> three. Three of the seven, there is seven species that the land of Israel is blessed with, and that's the, the known seven species of the land. What are the seven? Who knows? Barley. 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 Wheat. 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 Two. Dates. 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 Pomegranates. Pomegranates. Ah? Great. Grapes. Grapes. And um, dates. figs. Dates. We said dates, right? We did say dates. Figs. Figs. And what else? How many do we have? I Six. He repeated it, right? Pomegranates. Chita, that's wheat. Seora is barley. Geffen is grapes. Tena is date. Rimon is pomegranate. Then we have um, an uh, oil that comes out from from al alf oil, and honey that comes out from uh, from from uh, dates. Dates. I, I, when I said that, I had to say figs, figs, and then dates. Yeah, that's all the seven. And they brought, now if you look on this set of seven, the first two are necessities, wheat and barley. You have to eat bread, that's you have to survive. The other three, um, in, in, uh, uh, grapes, pomegranate, figs, this is something that's like, it's like dessert. You don't, you, you, it's not a necessity. He brought, they brought here the things that are not necessities. They wanted to show, they, also, they brought the good, the, the good stuff, so to speak. Quick question for you. Yeah. Echad that's used here, it's just like in English. I mean, we use one for a group of things and one for a singular thing. You're right. How, how do we know when, when Echad's used as one singular and Echad's used as a collective? Here, the word Echad goes for the Eshkol, for the cluster, one cluster, not one grape. You understand what's going on here? It was one cluster. There were many grapes and one cluster. I understand that, that you know, that you know, 
the Shema, obviously, you know, yeah. we know God is one in that sense, and we, we, we know that there, there are some critics who say, well, God can be one, but God can be a collective. Uh, how, how do we know? What do you mean? It could be a one, it could be a second one? That's what you want to say? Well, well, three in their interpretation, but... Uh, <laughs> hey. but but we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no. but, but, uh, I'll tell you. <laughs> you. I'll tell you. The real question is why it's not written about the Shema, Hashem Yachid. God yeah. is the only one. There is Echad, and Yachid, Echad means one, could be two. <coughs> Yachid means singular one, the only one. Right. Why we don't say Hashem Yachid? And that's what Rambam says. Rambam? <laughs> he says Hashem Yachid? Well, that's how he interprets it. Yeah, yeah obviously, <laughs> but what, why it's written Echad? Because it gives there you is a concept that's called no. That's true too. God gives you always a free choice to make mistakes. You want to make a mistake? Go ahead, enjoy it. Don't complain later. But more than that, Echad means the oneness of God. It means that everything in the world is a part of God. That me and you are also a part of God. There is nothing outside of God. You know, it's written God. Is the it's it's uh, is mekomoshel olam is the place of the world. The world is inside God. Now that God is in the world, all of us are a part of God. Are inside God, in the womb of God, if you want. It means to say everything that happens in the world is a part of God. There is nothing outside of the control of God. The moment that you say God is here, is one, is only here, and this is not God. That means there is something goes that, that God is not in control. Something outside of God. Nothing could be outside of God. The, the good and the bad and the worst, everything is an expression of God. Rabbi Akiva, when he was burned alive, he sent the Shema, right? Famous story. And they told him, his disciples told him, now? Rabbi, now? Even now? He says, all my life I was waiting for this moment. What he really said. He saw at that moment he realized that even the, what, what he was waiting, he was waiting for the opportunity to give his life for God. There is a mitzvah to give your life for God, to be killed for God if, if somebody forces you to, to, to worship idols, right? But this is a mitzvah you cannot, you cannot order. <laughs> yeah, please come kill, kill me because I need, I need opportunity to do the mitzvah. <laughs> if the mitzvah happens, that he said and he said, I see what he said Shema in this moment. Echad, even the guy, the Roman, who is killing Rabbi Akiva, is helping him to fulfill a mitzvah. Even this is an expression of God. You understand? Even the things that the most, the worst against God, what could be worse? The guy who is killing Rabbi Akiva for not, for wanting to be connected to God. Even this is a, is, is a part of God. Everything is a part of God. That's why it's the oneness of God. When we say Shema Israel Hashem Echad, there is in, in, in Shulchan Or, there is a Jewish law that says you have to point to four corners. Up, two sides, and up and down. Everything is God. The word Echad stands for what? Aleph is one. God is one. Chet means what? How much is Chet? Chet is four. Chet? Chet is eight. Chet is eight. What is eight? The seven heavens and the earth. If we say the expression, I feel in the seventh heaven, one day we'll learn the Shema. That's a part of that. And, and Dalet, how much is Dalet? It's four. It's four. four. Four corners of the world. We want to say that everything is God. That's why it's the oneness of God. If some Nudnik will make a mistake, too bad. The message of saying that everything is a part of God is more important than if somebody will make a mistake. Because always will be somebody who makes a mistake. No matter how any, there is no system which is perfect in the, in the world. Anything in this world, it cannot be, there is always be some Oibachachem, some guy who says, what may be this? For these people, we have no hope. You're getting back to what you said? I just realized it. Huh? You just realized. <laughs> no, something else. <laughs> okay, you got it? <laughs> but here it's a hard because he speaks about the cluster, not about the. Okay, we are in page one seventy four. My turn. That yes. place they call the Valley of Eshkol because of the event of the cluster that Bnei Yisro cut from there, 
They returned from spying the land at the end of the 40 days. They came back after 40 days. There's a number, 40. 40 every time. Zoros, go ahead. After 40 days that Moses came back, what happened? Golden calf. Golden calf. 40 days. 40 days is the flood, right? Mm -hmm. Something with the number of 40 is not going well. But the 40 is also, the, isn't the 40 associated with the Nikola? Sure. So, so it's not always bad. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, nothing it's, is always bad. <laughs> but just for some reason, the Bible looked uh, came out four years the Jews were in the desert. It was also not again, nothing great, right? That was the four years because of these 40 days, a day for a year. Right. That's why it's written, Rashi says that God made the party, the, the journey shorter because if not, they would have to be 60 years in the desert. That's why God tried to make it as, as fast as possible. What's the significance of 40? I mean, it's four times 10, and you get the four cardinal directions, and you get. It's no, it's, 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 it's a period of time. time. It's, it's time a of a creation cre of a baby. That's what for it's is. It's completion. Four. It's a completion of it's a, a, a process. It's like, yeah, it's a different uh, period. After 40 days, it's like a new, a new period starts, a new history, part of history starts. But why the number 40 as opposed to you know, 30 or 50? That's because or? you'd have to take that up with Shem. <laughs> well, every number <laughs> has be, if be, general if, if I would tell you Terry, you'll say, why not, why not why Terry, why not 40? We've got significance for, you know, 1, 2 through 12, you know, we've got... I mean, that's but, what I'm saying. That, that, that's, uh, the, the Torah was given to, by, by 40 days. That's why, the, because the Torah is connected to it. I think because by 40 days, uh, a, a 40 years is a generation. 40 is a number that a person starts, uh, that, that's what takes him to, to understand something. Uh, it's written that after 40, after 40 years, a person will understand this, what his teacher taught him. That's what took the Jewish people to get it. Took them four years to get it. So 40 is the symbol of a new period starting? A new generation. Four years is a generation. Four years is a generation. That's in general. It's a completion of a process. Yes, absolutely. Think about it. After, when, your child, when you're 53, you, you, your son's bar mitzvah, usually, many cases. You give him over the Torah. You had 40. 13 of I mean, from your 13 until, until you had four years of yours, then you give it over to your son. In our, at least in our days and age, people who have bar, bar mitzvahs of the children, they are 53. Many, not everybody, but many. Okay. They went and came to Moshe and Aaron and to the entire congregation of B'nai Israel that came to the desert of Haran in Kadesh. They brought word back to them and to their entire congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They recounted to him, and they said, We came into the land into which you sent us, and it indeed flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. They started the report very optimistic. We came back from the, we came into the land. It's, as you said, flowing with milk and honey. Here is the food. The food is beautiful. Rashi says every time when you start, when you want to say a lie, you say you start with something true. That you people, you should become, you should be believable. You should get credibility. That you start with something true. Oh, they started with a good thing, and everybody said, oh, oh, let's hear, let's hear. And then they start to say what well, their agenda. I, I just have a question on the yeah. going back to the grapes, the pomegranates, mm -hmm, and the mm -hmm, figs, and yeah. we talked about the wheat and the barley. Mm -hmm. the wheat and barley you have to work for to make your product, right? You're right. This and is these, ready for. This is ready. The Jews mm -hmm. were maybe not quite as ready. They were not. <laughs> they were not quite ready. That's a good point. However, <laughs> whenever you hear the word "however," you know it's coming. It's bad news are coming. <laughs> However. A nation is mighty, and those who inhabit the land and the cities are greatly fortified to the utmost. We also saw the offspring of the giant over there. Amalek. The offspring of the giant. Who is the offspring of the giant? Before they spoke about giants. Now they speak about the offspring of the giants. Obviously, they didn't see giants. The giants were in Hebron. Who went to Hebron? Only Caleb, right? The rest of them didn't go to Hebron. That they didn't see giants. That they say we saw offspring, children of giants. They didn't see anything. They didn't see any, anything, something to be scared of. Then they come even better. What they mention now? Amalek dwells in Amalek! They knew if there is one word to scare the Jews, it's called Amalek. Like in America, you say Iraq. Oh, you know. The gas, the gods will go up. Or the, huh? Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda. If you say today Al-Qaeda, everybody says, oh, Al-Qaeda. Amalek, 
The Jews were afraid, they just a year ago, a year before that, they were attacked by the Amalekites. They said, oh, by the way, Amalek? You remember Amalek? They're good friends. They're right there. The Hiti, Ivusi, and Emori dwell in the mountain, and the Kanani dwell by the sea. See, they didn't even give a conclusion yet. They just gave a report. Oh, it's strong, it's people, are dangerous people, right? And you hear that there are giants, there is a Malek, in fortified cities. You want to go down. People don't want to go to war. Why should they go to war? Why should they sh shed blood? They said to go to Israel or left to be a war, or be a fight. It's not going to happen by itself. That was their conclusion. <coughs> okay, Caleb is trying to save the situation. Caleb silenced the people to hear about Moshe, and he said, We can surely go up to the land, and we shall possess it, for we are surely able to overcome it. Caleb stood up and said, We will be able to do it. Why Joshua didn't say anything? Where is Joshua in the story? Mm -hmm. Moses prayed for Joshua. Where is Joshua in the story? What do you think? He's standing right by him. Well, he does not to talk. <laughs> Doesn't have a mouth. Later, he was a leader of the Jewish people. Actually, he knew how to talk. He knew how to make wars. He knew how to do everything. He was already leading the war against the Amalekites, right? Maybe that he could tell him. That he could tell him, Amalekites. I know Amalekites. He killed them. We killed them last time. What are you afraid of them? Maybe because he was a leader, like you said. So, so. He didn't want to. Uh, so, so. Tell me. Usually, wait till the end. <laughs> Leaders According to some commentaries, what was going on really? Why the Jews didn't want to enter the land of Israel? What's the problem? What did Jews want? What do you think? Well, the bottom line is they didn't have faith in God's promise. No. To make no. them such cheapos. No, it was that they had no, it so I, good. They, they, had it so good. I, I, there were some people like you. You know, you understand, we talk about two million people. <laughs> there is many, many yes. levels, you know? Reasons. Every, everybody ends, ends, up to, ends up to do the same thing, with the same goal. <laughs> But the logic behind people, there are different logics because there are different levels of people. Then you're right, some people just that plain didn't have faith in God. It was, oh, faith. yeah, I agree. But part of it's that they're going to... Huh? Part of it was they had it made. They had mana, they had everything they needed. And why... Closer Why trouble yourself? Why rock the boat, yeah. You know the guys who are going to college and they study? Then they don't finish the study. They take PhD, PhD, D, 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 and it's never ending. Because they don't want to have to work. They don't want to deal. They're afraid yeah, of dealing with life, right? Some people, not everybody, but there is such people. They want the D's and not the do's. <laughs> the D's and not the do's. A good point. And <laughs> and the, the the Jewish people. Some people just said it's good. Life is good. There is spirituality. What else you think? What else other reason? They were very spiritual. They were connected. I mean, they had an experience of... Uh, they, heard, un they heard news. We know what they heard news. In oh. last week's parsha, yeah. we read a story of two prophets, Eldad and Medad, are prophesying in the camp. That the Talmud says, you know what they prophesied? They said, Moses. Moses will die in the desert and Joshua will lead us into the land of Israel. You know what they said? Really, huh? We are not going anywhere. If the point is Moses to die in the desert and, and Joshua will lead us to the land of Israel, we rather stay in the land of Israel, stay in Egypt. Stay in the desert. And didn't, didn't he, Moses say that we should have more people like them speaking? You're right, that's why Joshua was upset, whatever it is. But the Jews, that's the, the good the holy Jews. And more than that, like you said, it was here an argument, it was an ideological argument. But before we go into that, I want to make a point. What is going If Joshua will start to scream, let's go to the land, what will tell them? Ah, you want to be the leader. You're promoting your own agenda. You're not objective. He couldn't say anything. As we're going to learn in two weeks from now, there is a story about Pinchas, right? With the Midianite woman, the whole thing. And Pinchas stood up and killed the Midianite. Who was Moses? Why Moses said nothing? Moses said nothing. 
because they looked at Moses. The moment Moses will say something, you tell them, and you're a Moshe, and your wife is not a Midianite woman. That's it. He's dismantled. He cannot say anything. Every time when you, you that's why Joshua couldn't say anything again. Whatever he will say, oh, 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 you're winning for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to be the leader. Yeah, sure. <coughs> you don't care for Israel. You want Moses to die, huh? Can you imagine? They'll blame Joshua and Moses' death. Joshua was done when Joshua heard the news. He told Moses, um, arrest the two people, right? Claw him. Like, dismiss them. Don't let them prophesy. The two prophets who made the, who made, who made the news. And here, whatever Joshua, Joshua actually could be Joshua deep in, in our, didn't want, it should, he obviously didn't want it should happen. Basically, Joshua couldn't say anything. He needed to be an outsider, so to speak. And he will say it. But what was really the argument? It was an ideological argument. The generation of the desert and Moses. Two philosophies. What's more important? Learning Torah or doing mitzvahs? That's the real argument. In the desert, they learned Torah. They did not do mitzvahs. Most of the mitzvahs they didn't do. First of all, the, mitzvahs, the agricultural mitzvahs, there was, it's always when you come to the land, when you come to the land. Then there is many mitzvahs. At the early days, most, at Pesach, they did only one Pesach in the desert, right? We last week learned that was the only Pesach they did in the desert. Sukkot, they didn't build a sukkah. Under the, and the whole purpose of the sukkah is to remember the clouds of glory, right? That to say that they build the sukkah under the cloud of glory, first of all, it's not kosher because it has to rain and, 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 and be able to be rained. The clouds of glory protect them from rain. That to say that they got out of the clouds of glory to build the sukkah to remember the clouds of glory. I don't think so. It doesn't make sense, right? That they didn't have other days. Even the mitzvah, which mitzvah they no, didn't bris. They didn't even do a breeze. That mitzvah was off the, off the, off the table in the, in the desert. The desert, they learned Torah. They were busy learning. Dead Moses. Life was amazing. They were in yeshiva. One big, huge yeshiva with good food. Not like in other yeshiva, some yeshivas, but <laughs> mana. But it was like a yeshiva. You know, mana was never enough. They ate, but they were never set up. They were a little longer. They were so young people, college students. You give them a meal, they will always eat. It could be four o'clock in the morning, it could be whatever the time is. There is always they're always ready to join you for a meal, no matter what the time is. <laughs> I remember in the in, in New York in 770, after a wedding or somebody used to bring the leftovers to the to the, to the yeshiva there. Two o'clock in the morning. You don't know from where and from where. Suddenly a hundred guys are showing up. <laughs> How, how they heard about it? How they know? They came, the meal, was, the food was gone. Everybody disappeared. They're gone again. <laughs> Here you see, you sitting in the desert. Mana is there. Moses, <coughs> the greatest teacher of all Jewish people ever, right? Moshe Rabbeinu is named Moses, our teacher, not Moses, our king, not Moses, our prophet. Moses, our teacher, is right here. They learn Torah. Moshe said. Learning Torah is not the goal. The goal is to enter the land and practice the mitzvahs. Is it the goal to be a yeshiva student all life? Or the goal is to be a, a, a to, to go into the working life to the world, to be a lawyer and a doctor and a businessman and to, and to deal with life and deal serving God, practicing the mitzvahs. Torah is the most important thing, or mitzvah is the most important thing. This is an argument that went on in Jewish history forever, right? What's more important, Torah, Torah or mitzvot? Maise or limud, what's more important, to learn or to do? What? Ultimately, we, we say that it's more important to learn because you know how to do. But action, that's what counts. The world is world of action. To learn Torah, you can also in heaven. We don't need you here. Here we need a world of action. We need people to do things. And this argument was here, right here, or it starts right here. What's more important? They wanted to stay in the desert. Then you're right, there were some people who didn't have faith in God. There some people who just didn't want to fight. Other people just said, who cares? 
I have now food, good enough, who cares what the meat tomorrow? It was all kinds. But the, the question is, these were leaders. They were not people who just didn't have faith. They said, we are better off here. Why to go there? Why rock the boat? <laughs> okay, page 177, number 31. But the men who went up with him said, we are not able to go up against the nation, for they are more powerful than we. Mm -hmm. They spread slander about the land that they had scouted to B'nai Yisrael, saying, the land through which we have passed to scout it is a land which consumed, <coughs> consumes its inhabitants, and every one of the people we saw in it are men of dimension. What means they consume its inhabitants? What does this mean? Rashi says, whenever they went out, they saw people dying. God made it that people should be busy with their debts and not be busy with the spies. But they thought everybody's dying in this country. It's a bad country. There we, see, we saw... There we saw the giants, the sons of the giant. The sons of the giants. Go ahead. Of the Nephilim, and we were like grasshoppers in our eyes. How they know that when they go continue and so... And so we appeared in their eyes. How they know that there was grasshoppers in their eyes, so we appeared in their eyes. How they know they asked them, they talked to them. You project your own self-image to others. If you look yourself as a grasshopper, other people will look at you as a grasshopper. But if you look yourself like a man, people, people have an image on you. You project the image that people have on you. They looked at themselves as grasshoppers. That's why the other people looked at them. And the Nephilim that are referred to here are characters that we see in, in the time of Noah. Mm -hmm. uh, is this a metaphorical expression? They're, you know, giants, or are they actually descendants of the Nephilim? We were big, big people, but how big and all this, I didn't see them. I don't they're remember. Black, black, I, black, a bunch of Goliaths relatives, basically. Even Goliath was big. Obviously, they were big. Exactly how big? I don't know. It's a very, it's, it's a many discussions about it, what, how exactly they looked like. I mean, if this is the sons of the Nephilim, the Nephilim already died. They were in the time of Noah. They were not around. That was like, like a leftover. Maybe their descendants, maybe even just people who look like them, but smaller. Or is it just kind of a generic term for giants? I think it's a generic, it's more a generic term for giants. That's what I understand. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't Og, Og still there? Og was still alive. Was he, yeah. was he a giant? He was a whole big time giant. And he was, he was there? So I don't think they saw Og. On the, on the arc, though. Yeah, he was under. He was. He was when he was all over. <laughs> what happened? This is the end of the report. Go ahead. Um, the uh, entire community arose and raised their voices, and the people wept that night. Uh -huh. You know, the Jewish people. People want to believe whatever they want, and Moses. In Deuteronomy, when he tells the story of the 12 tribes, he blames the whole nation. Not just that, you know, I can say 10 people brought us down. What do you want? Why are you blaming the whole nation? Everybody wanted to hear the news. Like, like in recent history, people in America wanted to believe that nothing is happening in, in, in Europe during, the, during World War II. They knew. They knew very well. It was in the newspapers. Everybody wanted to know knew. They didn't want to hear about it. They didn't want to know, and that's it. They wanted to believe whatever they want. And today, with politicians, I don't blame politicians. People want to believe whatever they want. And when they don't want, they, don't, they, they know it's not true. When it comes to their own business, they know, they know to make eyes for them. They understand exactly what they want to believe. And that's what happened here. The whole nation cried. Balayla who? That night. Which night is it? That night? Huh? Allah Elohu, that famous night. Which night was it? Tishbov. They made it a Tishbov. You understand what's going on here? Moses appoints Joshua to be his leader. And the Jews make their own Tishbov. God, so to speak, lets us on the show. The guy about tissue, God says, hi. What are you for me? You made your own tissue, what are you complaining about? 
You cried. I told you to cry? It's like the famous line that he tells you, you want a reason to cry, I'll give you a good reason to cry. God says, okay, I'll give you good reasons to cry in Tisha The first temple, the second temple, the Churban of Beitar, all the source. Right? The expulsion of, of Spain, the expulsion from England, everything happened in Tisha But who started it? Not God, the Jews. Okay. They rallied against Moses and Aaron. Go ahead, Cohen. Oh, they rallied against Moshe and Aaron and all of B'nai Yisrael. And the entire congregation said to them, Would we have died in the land of Egypt or in the desert? What, what that we had died? Wouldn't be better, so to speak. Go ahead. Why does Adonai bring us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and infants would be as spoils. Is it not better for us to return to Egypt? Oof. Oh, again, the same story. <laughs> the same song. Go ahead. They, go, they, go ahead. They said, to, they said to each other, let us appoint a place ahead and we will return to Egypt. Oh, whoa, whoa, right. whoa, whoa. They are going to Egypt already. <laughs> one told the another, Ish Elohim. One told his brother. Who is the one who told his brother? To each other. Who are they? Oh, the, 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 the Dayton the, told Aviram. Dayton and Aviram, the two troublemakers. Yeah. In the story of Korach, we read about them. We read about them before. Every, every time when the Torah wants to say the troublemakers, it's Dayton and Aviram. <laughs> they are blamed on everything. Let's go back to Egypt. Fine. I don't understand how, why going back to Egypt. You said it's not good to in, in the, uh, stay in the desert. Why going back to Egypt? I just don't get it. Why going back to Egypt? Better to be a slave and be alive, I guess. The... Okay, stay in the desert. There is mana. Life is good. What are you going back? They were even saying, let's go back to Egypt. Well, they may have figured at that point if they were not doing what God wanted them to do, the mana would be cut off. We cut off from, from the welfare system. <laughs> they, want, they, they are going back to Egypt. They are already going back to Egypt in five minutes. Go ahead. Moshe and Aaron fell on their faces before the entire gathering of the congregation of B'nai Israel. Yeshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of uh, Euphona, uh, who were among those who scouted the land, tore their clothes in grief. They said to the entire congregation of B'nai Israel, saying, The land through which we have passed to scout it, that land is very, very good. If Adonai desires us, uh, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. They tell them it's a very good land. If Hashem wants, Im Chofetz Bonu Hashem, if Hashem has a desire in us, in us, if He cares for us, if He loves us, He will bring us to the land. They should have changed their mind. Who? The, the Jews. Yeah, it's a shame you were not there and I would not there. <laughs> it would be much better. We would tell them, we would get up and say, you fools. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. However, <clears throat> do not rebel against Hashem and you, and, do, and you do not be afraid of the nation of the land, for they are as our bread, their protection is removed from them, and Hashem is with us. Do not be afraid of them. The entire congregation said that they should be stoned to death. Are you here? The Jewish people didn't want to hear a different opinion. Whoa. Talking about open-minded? Well, Joshua and Caleb give another opinion, right? There is the 10 people give one opinion. There is the minority opinion, right? Fine. You can say you don't want, don't listen. They wanted to stone them. Who they wanted to stone? They didn't want to stone Moses. They wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb. That's what it says here. But why? Because they didn't like the report. That's going to help things? <laughs> well, obviously not. <laughs> they tore the clothing. By tearing the clothing, they made a strong statement that this is bad. And when people want to go the bad way, they don't even want to hear anybody saying differently. And if somebody says differently, they're ready to stone. Then Moses and Aaron are saying nothing. Moses and Aaron is like they're falling out of paces. They say, Moses and Aaron are not... So far, didn't say anything. You, you see what's going on here? They gave the, the, they gave the, the report. Then Caleb screamed, it's not going to happen. Then the whole nation is crying. And they say, let's go back to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron said nothing. Joshua and Caleb says, no, it's a good land. It's a good place. And the nation is ready to stun them. 
Where we read about another stoning that they wanted, that somebody said they will almost stone me. Who said that? Moses. Moses said that the first time, Moses said, when they, when they wanted water, right after they left Egypt, Moses says, in a little bit they will stone me. God told them, go, they will not stone you, don't worry. But it looks like with um, Joshua and Caleb, that was real business. If God wouldn't interfere in the middle of this business, who knows how this will end up? Suddenly, the glory of Hashem appeared in the tent of the meeting to Obne Israel. God says, I'm page one eighty one. Yeah. Until, until where will this people provoke me? And how much longer will they have no faith in me, despite all the signs which I have done in their midst? I shall smite them with the, with the plague and annihilate them, and I shall make you into a greater and stronger people than they. Oh, Moses is getting an offer he cannot refuse. When he got this offer before? Okay. The golden calf. And the golden calf gave him the same offer. I'll start from your new nation. Moses now is already a professional. He already had to argue this time, the first time once. What is, Moses, what is Moses' best argument? Moshe, Moshe said, said I, but Egypt will hear that you in your might have brought up this people from among them. They will say concerning the inhabitants of this land, they have heard that you, Adonai, are among this people who appears to them eye to eye or face to face. You, Adonai, your cloud stands over them. In a pillar of cloud you go before them daily and in a pillar of fire nightly. Mm -hmm. If you kill this nation like a single man, the nations will say, they who have heard your reputation as follows. It is because of Adonai's inability to bring his people into the land that he swore to them that he slaughtered them in the desert. Aha! Uh -huh. Moses, uh, Moses is using the best argument. That could be. It'll look bad to the Gentiles. Exactly. <laughs> what are they going, going to say? Huh? We will forgive you, God. We are good people. We will forgive you. you know, the Jews will do whatever they do. What is the world going to say? What the world said in the Holocaust. Where is God? This is the chosen people. Moses used the best argument. What are the neighbors going to say? You know, I tell you, I tell your child, Mele, I will forgive you, but Ashanda and the people, it's an embarrassment. And then Moses went on with another technique. Now, please let my master's power be enhanced as you spoke, saying, Adonai is slow to anger and abounding in kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression who does not completely acquit, who will visit the iniquities of the fathers upon their children, to the third generation and to the fourth generation. Please forgive this people according to the magnitude of your kindness, and as you have borne this people since Egypt until this time. Adonai said, I have forgiven them, just as you spoke. Oh, he said the 13 attributes of mercy, right? He used this, power, he used this ammunition. And God, in this line we say on Yom Kippur a thousand times, Slachno number 19, number 20, Slachno forgive the Jewish people as you carry them from Egypt until now. And Hashem said, we say this line, Hashem we said Yom Kippur by Kol Nidre three times. And Hashem said, I've forgiven you for the sins. Three times. Because that's what Hashem forgiven to the Jewish people. The second, we gave them second set of tablets was Yom Kippur. It was actually forgiven the Manu Kippa. What, 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 this word here, maybe you, mm -hmm. uh, 17, please, now please let my master's power be enhanced. Well, how can you enhance God's power? By, by, by controlling his anger, so to speak. To forgive takes more power than, 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 than to destroy. To control yourself from your anger takes more power than to, to act on it. Then God said, I'll forgive them. Ulam, but... Go ahead. However, just as I live and the glory of Adonai fills the entire land, for all the people who see my glory and my signs, which I have done in Egypt and in the desert, and they have tested me these ten times, and they have not listened to my voice. Mm -hmm. Were there ten, ten instances? I have the Torah says ten. You can, you can trust God that's was right. ten. And 10 is a general number. They probably were more small, small events. Basically told them, this generation will not enter the land of Israel. It wasn't a punishment. It was a consequence. They basically, they were not ready. God says, you don't want to go. It's niched. Fine. Stay here. What should I tell you? You don't want to go, don't. 
That's what he basically tells them. The next generation, the next generation will go into the land of Israel. The young boys that you were worried that they will be killed in the desert, they will conquer the land. 